regular season finale, Black Monday, playoffs around the corner. Let's get into it. The Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Hello, everyone. Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL Podcast. Yes, plenty to talk about, so let's get straight into it. There's only the two of us tonight. Steve's missing in action. He's either still celebrating the Eagles making the postseason or he's still commiserating the fact that Newcastle got dumped out of the FA Cup by good old Cambridge United, one or the other. But Josh is here with me. Josh, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, mate. You can't have everything your own way, can you? You know, the exactly. the, uh, the football gods, no matter which country they're from, will give with one hand and take from the other. They just seem to take from us. But, uh, you know, at least they're a bit more favourable to Steve. I hope that he's, uh, I hope that he's looking forward to the uh, complete and utter chaos that's going to uh, unfold on him this weekend. Because I be can't fine. see the Eagles doing much, but more on yeah. that later. Yeah, they'll be fine, man. They've got an easy route through to the Super Bowl. Bookmark it. Oh, massively. <laughs> Let's get into it then, mate. Like you say, plenty to go through. We're not going to go through all the games because there's so much to talk about this week. We simply haven't got the time. So let's just get into the ones that really mattered. And let's start with the choke job, shall we? The Jaguars 26, the Colts 11. We said last week, surely the, the Colts will just take care of business. They seemed like one of the hottest teams in the league around about three weeks ago. An absolute meltdown, and you know, to do it to a two and fourteen Jags team that, with all the results this weekend, secured the number one overall pick in the draft. Obviously, still without a head coach themselves. I mean, to be fair, Trevor Lawrence's best day as a pro, possibly. But Josh, this is all about the Colts. What on earth went wrong? What kind of curse do the Indianapolis Colts have whenever they step into Jacksonville, like the city? <laughs> I think that this is like eight years running now where the Colts just don't win in Jacksonville. And it's probably something we should have given a little bit more credence to. And part of me felt like we should have last week, but then the rational part of my brain said, no, the Jags are terrible and the Colts are good. What's, you know, what's going on here? But, and I just look at the stats and they just couldn't move the ball. They couldn't move the ball against Jack's defense. The Jags defense was on fire. You know, they, they were up for it. I think that the Jags, it's a divisional team anyway, so you're able to train up a bit more for it anyway. But also I think that they've probably highlighted this game and thought, well, we we can beat these. You know, we just get out the, we, we, we get out the folder of which, uh, has all their players and we can we can knock this down they do seem to have the Colts down pat which is always one of the the scary things about playing in your division no matter what division it is so fair play to Jacksonville they were by far the better team Colts were never in it um of which is a shot but it's not one of which was a smash and grab this was domination by the Jags Oh yeah, absolutely. It certainly wasn't. Uh, it certainly wasn't lucky or anything like that. As you say, you know, they pretty much kept Jonathan Taylor quiet. You know, his yards per carry average was five, but you know, only seventy-seven yards on the ground outside of Michael Pittman, who 
who reigned in six balls. Nobody else caught more than more than three and had no more than 39 yards. I mean, the the Colts' offense really did struggle um, down the stretch. You know, not just in this game, in, in sort of previous weeks, they've had two chances, haven't they, winning in, and they've, they've yeah. fluffed the lines both occasions. And, and the question now is on Carson Wentz, because apparently Frank Reich won't commit to him. Uh, don't blame him, but they've kind of given up the bag at this point. Yeah, the, look, the Colts are the same with the number of teams that have got potential question marks, quote-unquote, over quarterback position. You know, I, I said this last week when I was asked about uh, the Cleveland Browns quarterback situation. I think you're just going to circle back to the fact that even if he's not the best, you know, the greatest option, he's probably the best option they're going to come back to. So we'll wait and see. They obviously invested a lot in him. They'll expect more from him next year, though. Disappointing end there for the Colts, like I say, a few weeks ago. You'd have fancied them to potentially cause a bit of noise in the playoffs. It obviously opened up, though, an opportunity that either the Ravens or the Steelers had the chance to go and grasp, and I can't believe I'm saying this, we are still delaying the Ben Roethlisberger retirement ceremony. He somehow manages to get the Pittsburgh Steelers into the postseason, 16-13. When I say he does, let's give some credit to TJ Watt, who undoubtedly should be the defensive player of the year in the NFL. Tied the um, sack record, didn't he, um, with Michael Strahan in this one. Anyone saying, yeah, in the 17 games, don't forget what missed some time as well. He's a phenomenal player um, in a pretty phenomenal defence with a phenomenal coach. And whilst those two things reign true, it doesn't matter how many struggles they have offensively, they're going to be difficult to beat. You'd probably expect them to go out in round one, but stranger things have happened. But uh, from our point of view, mate, obviously it was two AFC North foes going head-to-head. Um, you know, we'd have probably ideally liked neither of them to have won this game, but um, the Steelers ultimately, mate, were the ones that, that came out on top in a bit of a scrappy one. Yeah, the tie was on. It wasn't the one of which we were looking for the tie. We'll come on to that later, but... The tie was on here, which would have been best for us. But uh, in it, yeah, like you say, TJ Watt and the Pittsburgh defense is the thing that is keeping this incredibly dead machine moving. I have seen many metaphors for what this Pittsburgh Steelers team is. Mike Tomlin is some sort of flipping Dr. Frankenstein because he's somehow <laughs> getting this dead weight through seasons. Um, hats off to them because it's incredibly difficult to keep getting into the postseason, no matter how good your team is. We've seen plenty of good teams, the Ravens included, who, for whatever reason, injuries, um, just not playing well in the right moments, this, that, and the other, not get in. Pittsburgh Steelers seem to constantly have that and yet still walk through the door. I, I fully expect them to get whacked by the Chiefs, um, this weekend, but by by any note, I could also see them somehow scrape through nine six. You know, they they are that kind of team. TJ Watt has had a monster season. I I hope that teams start putting extra blockers in front of him. He seems to have a much lower double block rate than some of the other edges in the league, um, of which continues to baffle me. Because there's quite a few there where TJ Watt was just like, yep, yeah, one guy's gone. Oh, the quarterback's there. But he, you know, hats off to him. That sack record is incredibly difficult to attain. He's now got it. Like you say, 17-game season doesn't mean much if you don't play all, all 17 anyway, of which he didn't. So, fantastic. How on earth they ended up getting through 
<laughs> he's you know you know a, a month ago I'd have said nah there, there's no literal way but they did it fair play to him I hope they get spanked yeah <laughs> yeah you mentioned there that the tie would have suited us obviously that did set up the scenario that we kind of talked about last week and and jokingly said oh if it happens and we said no it won't happen and it, it did obviously happen that it could have mean it could have meant that Sunday night football was irrelevant. A tie would have seen both the Raiders and the Chargers get through. Fair play to both teams. They didn't play that way. They were never going to. We were only obviously joking about it. And it ended yeah. up, though, that the tie was very much on. We ended up with only a few seconds left in um, overtime before the Raiders nailed the game winner. And look, you know, you cannot blame the Raiders if you think about it. You know, it was a choice between knocking out the Chargers or knocking out the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they would have happily, all day long, knocked out their divisional rival, which is exactly Absolutely. what they did. I mean, it was a phenomenal game, mate. 32, uh, sorry, 29 apiece at the end of regulation, um, with the Chargers scoring 15, of course, in the fourth quarter. Justin Herbert threw 64 passes in this one, which was just a ridiculous number of, um, of attempts from, from Herbert. Um, I mean, look, it was just a phenomenal game, wasn't it? It really was just an absolutely phenomenal game. Um, a great way, really, to end the regular season. It was winning in for either team. Um, and obviously, like Sam had the Raiders, probably the most unexpected of the um you know, along with the Steelers, certainly three or four weeks ago, you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have picked the Raiders to to emerge from the pack, but they've put the winning streak together just when it mattered, mate. They have, yeah. Um, just to get back to your point on how jam packed this game was, I'm currently looking at a Google screen of Raiders Chargers and the highlights of which they put on are 19 minutes and 49 seconds long. That is <laughs> the highlights, not the game in 40. So that shows you as to just how much was going on here. Um, so turns out that Josh Jacobs exists and he, uh, you know, put on a bit of a clinic, 26 carries for 132 yards, an average of five of which, as you like to say, Sean, you, if you've got someone that will give you five yards a carry, keep feeding. And that's exactly what they did. The Chargers, in the end, lost because of their MO on defense, of which is that they can't stop the run. Um, Derek Carr only had to make 20 completions and only 186 yards, but... Got got them to where they needed to go. The Raiders, their entire season seems to have boiled, boiled down to two busted defensive stops on critical downs seconds before the end of games. One against the Cleveland Browns a couple of weeks ago, where that third down would have... If if it had been tackled at the right point of where the, the defender would have made contact, they would not have been in field goal range or the time to kick it. And then with 38 seconds to go, big play downfield, put the Raiders into field goal range. They could do what they want at that point. Because before then, the interim coach even said, yeah, the tie is on our mind. You know, the charges have basically said, give us the tie. We weren't against it, but if we're going to, but if the wins on the cards, we'll take the win. The Chargers got themselves out of a tie by a busted defensive coverage, and the Raiders are just scrappy. They were, they were, they were really scrappy at the start of the year and got some good wins on early. Did the same late. The middle part. I mean, my God, how much have we talked about the Raiders circus this year? You know, the Raiders circus was massive in the middle part of the season. They seem to have come round the back of that now and are starting to reignite some of the form they had at the start of the year. 
So they they could be plucky. They 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 really could be plucky at the um I think it's the Bengals that the Raiders have got. It's not a foregone conclusion, uh, just because of the fact that you can't really count a Raiders team out at the moment. You know, they've you know, they're ten and seven, they are there on merit. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So let's let's round up the AFC then in terms of what happened with the, the rest of the playoff placings. Uh, the Chiefs won on Saturday night. They secured the second seed because of the fact that the Titans eventually got over the line against the Houston Texans. They were up big and Houston threatened a bit of a spoiler show, but the Titans did indeed hang on. So the Titans are the one. The Chiefs are the two. The Bills are the number three seed. They beat the Jets while the Patriots were losing as they normally do to... To Miami. Cincinnati confirmed as the four. They lost to the Browns on Sunday. Um, the fifth seed are the New England Patriots. The sixth seed are the, sorry, the fifth seed are the Raiders. The sixth seed are the Patriots. And the seventh seed are the Steelers. So your AFC playoff picture is Bengals hosting the Raiders. That's Saturday, 9.30 UK time. Bills hosting the Patriots is early hours of Sunday morning, so late Saturday night, 1.15am kick for that one. And rounding out the Sunday slate, or early hours of Monday morning for us in the UK, is the Chiefs hosting the Steelers, with the Titans obviously getting the bye in the first round. Let's flip it then to the NFC side. The only thing that was still in play was whether or not it would be the Saints or the 49ers. It looked very, very cosy for the Saints for most of this, didn't it? They took care of business 30 points to 20 against the Atlanta Falcons, despite losing Taysom Hill. Trevor Simeon came in, um, you know, and you know, effectively managed the game from there. They they won their game and won it quite, uh, quite handsomely. And at the same stage, the Rams were as much as 17 points up on the 49ers. But that all turned around in the second half, mate. The 49ers coming back, getting a big win on the road. I am delighted that the Sean McVay never losing from a winning position at halftime stat is oh, now officially finally died. Ends. Finally ends, and it's the 49ers that sneak into the playoffs off the back of, overall, a pretty decent run game and a pretty dominant performance in the running game. But when it mattered, number 10, who gets a lot of stick, who a lot of people want to move on from, who think he's a very average quarterback, he's one of these quarterbacks. When the situation needs it, he likes the big lights, doesn't he? He likes the situation. He likes no timeouts. He likes his back against the wall. And boy, did he put up a performance when he needed to. 49ers, 27. Rams, 24. The Rams ultimately still clung on for the division. We'll round up the rest of the results in a moment. But yeah, feel for the Saints, mate. But I think for the playoffs overall, particularly with that injury to Taysom Hill, I think we've got the right team in there that actually, even as the number six seed, could cause a bit of uh, could cause a bit of damage moving forward. Yeah, I was heavy on the 49ers at the start of the season and the sort of form of which they're finishing the end of this season on seems to confirm that. It just took three months for them to actually get their arse into gear. Um, like you say, I think that the playoffs would, would have probably been one sin too many for the Saints um, simply because of the fact that they're just banged up at this point. They have done incredibly well to be an overtime away from being in the postseason picture, considering what they've gone through this year. Um, that might be something to say about the NFC at the moment in that they couldn't beat down a, a Trevor Simeon slash Taysom Hill combo Saints side until the very end. But the 49ers, they, they were down in a big spot. 
and you know Jimmy pulling out the goods 316 yards from 23 completions is quite something not too much going on on the ground apart from the fact that so Eli Mitchell got 85 yards off 21 carries which isn't so much to shout about about but Debo Samuel somehow became a running back towards the end um you know getting eight carries for 45 yards that was uh that that was something special um I thought but um all, all this seems to show me is that the Rams are on a bit of a downward trajectory at the moment. Matthew Stafford is definitely playing a shell of himself um, the last few weeks. Def- In fact, ever since Robert Woods ended up injured, you have seen a massive shift in the Rams. Now, note that I said the Robert Woods injury, not the other thing that happened as a result of the Robert Woods injury. Not saying that at all. But it's very true that Matthew Stafford has definitely gone on a downward trajectory. 21 off 32 for 238, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Not great. Um, There are plenty of quarterbacks in plenty of cities that would have gotten a hell of a lot more stick. Not mentioning any names. Um, And then the rushing as well. I know that Sony Michelle has only just come back from injury, but 43 yards from 21 carries. Yikes. Yikes! I think that um, I think the Rams played it too conservatively. Maybe they felt that they could. Maybe it didn't matter to to them too much, but it definitely wasn't enough. And uh, I'm going to end with a positive for the Rams, though. Go on, Cooper Cup. He's mm. the uh, the triple crown winner of uh, wide receivers this year, and uh, definitely helped me in a multiple. Uh, number of uh, fantasy teams this year. So go on, Cooper Cup. Yeah, fabulous season for Cooper Cup. You mentioned Debo Samuel. He, he doesn't, for me, get any, anywhere near enough love. I mean, for me, he should be very much in consideration for comeback player of the year. Um, I mean, you know, if you actually if you actually look at his overall stats for this season, 77 receptions, 1,405 yards, six touchdowns through the air, 59 rushing attempts for 365 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground. And, you know, to 14 touchdowns combined and 1,750 yards. I mean, that's a phenomenal season by anybody's standard. He also threw a pass for a touchdown in this one. He really has become uh, a Swiss Army knife, hasn't he? So let's put it this way. He's probably the most valuable player on the San Francisco 49ers. Absolutely. Certainly has been the last few weeks, at least. Um, let's have a look then at the rest of the results from the um, NFC side of the slate this weekend. We said that that Rams result ultimately didn't matter. It didn't matter because of what happened between the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Seahawks having a bit of fun ended up 38 to 30 winners. That's another team on the downward slope, isn't it? The Arizona yep. Cardinals. Let's not forget that they were. Uh, very secure at the number one seed not so long ago and end up actually having to go on the road in the first week of the playoffs as one of the wildcard teams. Um, so, yeah, our season-ending victory for Pete Carroll. Will that be his last? We will wait and see. Not uh, not any news on that front yet, but I'm sure we'll circle round to that. Other result in the Saints division was the Buccaneers 41, the Panthers 17. Uh, routine victory to close out the season. Rob Gronkowski getting his roster bonus, as is the routine at the end of the season. Thank you very much, Tom Brady. Um, they roll into the postseason looking rather healthy. Uh, you could tell that the Packers had already clinched the one seed because they put Jordan Love in for the second half and allowed the Lions to get a 37-30 victory over them. Obviously won't mean an awful lot going forward, apart from the fact that it probably does confirm that the uh, Green Bay Packers selection of Jordan Love was 
a awful selection at the time still looks an awful selection now and they will do everything in their power to retain number 12 throughout the course of this offseason regardless of what happens over the next four to five weeks uh, vikings 31 bear 17 in the battle of two departing head coaches we'll come on to all the coaching shake-ups in a moment but the vikings took care of business in that one and in the uh, what have i missed the nfc east how could i forget the nfc east the cowboys <laughs> mauled the Eagles on Saturday night, 51 points to 26. Um, obviously, the Eagles resting a lot of players. They were already confirmed in as um, a wildcard team, and they were pretty likely to be the seven seed throughout. Gardner Minshew got the start. Um, and like I said, lots of backups playing. But the Cowboys rolled to a pretty comfortable victory. Dak Prescott breaking Tony Romo's franchise record for touchdown uh, passes with five on the night. I saw that uh, Sean Tyler rewarded him the offensive game ball of the week. So, yeah, nice uh, way for the Cowboys to roll into Against the postseason. Against cardboard cutouts. Nice way, though, for the Cowboys to roll into the postseason. And quite possibly the most ridiculous play call you will ever see in your life occurred between the Giants and the Washington <laughs> football team, with the Giants running the infamous now quarterback sneak on third and nine from their own five-yard line. Unsurprisingly, it didn't net them the nine yards that they were looking for. So, yeah, that uh, that alone was enough to get Joe Judge fired. And he eventually has been, I believe that was confirmed, as one of the latest ones in terms of all the coaching um, carousel that's happened. So, your playoff bracket on the NFC side Green Bay Packers, as we knew, will be the one seed. They will sit at home for super-duper wildcard weekend. And the matchups that we have are Tampa Bay hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, the Cowboys hosting the 49ers, and it's that matchup again, the LA Rams hosting the Arizona Cardinals. So, we know the brackets now, Josh, on both sides. Very quickly, let's have a quick look at this weekend's games. You know, obviously... Not the, let's put it this way, the games will be good because they're always good, but it doesn't necessarily jump off the page pre the weekend kicking off for you to think, oh, these all look like marquee matchups, the way that it's panned out. Um, I think there's certainly intrigue in probably three or four of them, but I think there's definitely probably a couple of blowouts on the cards in, in some of the others. So We lost it, out a lot on the AFC side, I think. I think that Sunday was bad for the AFC in terms of the attractiveness of the matchups. Oh yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But you know, look, we've got what we've got and like you said they they always deliver when it does eventually roll around. There's nothing uh, nothing he's ever given in the NFL and like you say it wouldn't be the wouldn't be the world's biggest surprise if Pittsburgh somehow managed to make it a game in Kansas City. But let, let's very quickly go through because we want to talk about all the coaching um carousel as well. So Cincinnati hosting the Raiders. Do Cincinnati end their playoff drought and get a win for the first time since the early 90s? This one's a lot closer than I think people give credit for, um, simply because the Raiders have this incredibly gutsy... um, You know, they're an incredibly gutsy team with a fairly good secondary that will, you know, look to... That that will look to sit on the Bengals. I'm just thinking these two would have played earlier on in the season, and for the life of me, I can't remember how that went on. I think the Raiders may have beaten the Bengals, mightn't they? Um, I'm just taking a quick look now because I have now completely forgotten. And um, oh no, no, the Bengals absolutely smashed the Raiders, 32-13. So uh, we'll cross that out. Um, 
you know, readers are gutsy. Bengals are flashy at the moment. I think that they're definitely one of the better teams going into going into the playoffs. I reckon it will probably be within a score or two. I'm going to say the Bengals over the Raiders, though. Yeah, just to just to point out on that though, as much as the scoreline did read thirty-two thirteen at the end, with five minutes left in play, it was sixteen thirteen. That's right. I, I do I do remember now. It was one where it could have gone either way until the last quarter, and then they sort of just yeah they pulled away. They got in, yeah they got an interception late as well. So yeah, yeah it was. Uh, but I think that I think it being in Cincinnati is also going to be. You know, it's going to be something, you know, the Vegas have to fly out east. It's going to be cold. It's going to be bloody awful, really. And, you know, that will give that will give Cincinnati the edge and probably a scores edge. So let's say let's say nine points to the Bengals there. Yeah, I fancy the Bengals as well. Um, I think that that place will be really loud on Sunday. Look, don't read anything into last week's game. They rested basically everybody. Um, once Jamar Chase had broken his receiving record, he never came on the field again. You know, it was very much a, a shadow of the Bengals that will yeah. be out there this weekend. Um, so don't anybody think, oh, they lost to the Browns. They're, they're uh, on a downward trend. It, it'll be a totally different team. The one thing I would point out, as much as I said Justin Herbert had a good game and overall you would say he did, 64 attempts, only 34 completions. So Josh is absolutely right. That Raiders secondary is competitive. Um, it is physical and you know they will make it a game against all of those Bengals receivers. I'm actually really glad that this is the Saturday night game. I'm really excited about this one at half nine Saturday night from a UK yeah. perspective. We've got a number of lads that are Bengals fans in the group, so... As much as it pains me as a Browns fan, good luck to your boys because, uh, yeah, it's been a long time. And to be fair, they were all very supportive when uh, we got our win last year. As much as it was against Pittsburgh, it probably made them easier to root for us. But uh, we will reciprocate and wish you all the best on Saturday. Um, we then move, mate, Buffalo, New England. We've seen it twice this year. We've had two very different results. Third time round, Buffalo at home. Certainly the one, you know, the Buffalo team in more form at this moment in time. Do you see Buffalo uh, taking care of business? Is it perhaps a little reductionist to say that the Patriots are on a downward trend at the moment? I think that's fair. Like I said, I lost two of the last three um, after you know being in control of their destiny. If you like, after the initial win against the Bills, they've um, they've sort of stumbled over the line for want of a better word. You know, yeah, they... it seems like they peaked maybe a month too soon. Uh, yeah. So they're probably going to be wanting to prove a point. But the, when you play a team twice anyway, it's difficult to try and find that extra something after you've already punched them in the mouth once. Yeah. So Bill's at home. Again, I give it home field advantage. This isn't... There, there are always games where the where the underdog does take it. I don't see it being in this game. I, there's always one in wildcard weekend. I don't see it being in this game. So I'm going to say the Bills to take it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the Bills will will get it done as well. Um, it's been interesting, actually, since that game against New England that the Bills lost. There seems to have been more of a commitment to the ground game. Yeah. Um, the Jets have been bloody awful against the run all year, as they seemingly are every year. 
Um, you know, but the the Bills put up 170 yards rushing on Sunday, which has has got to have been one of their better performances on the ground that I can certainly remember um, in recent times. Um, the week before that, well, there you go. They put up 233 against the Falcons. There's certainly been a bigger commitment to that run game. They look a more rounded team. Um, they're obviously keeping the offense on the field for longer, so the defense is more rested. They seemingly have found the formula, and, and they will be a big threat to go, not just past this weekend, but potentially a big threat to go the whole way. So we'll wait and see how that one plays out. The final one is KC Pittsburgh. We've kind of already touched on it. I think we're all expecting KC just to roll here. You know, the Pittsburgh offense just seemingly cannot score enough points and you would expect over the course of four quarters that, you know, whether it's they only need to score 17 or whether they need to score 30, that the Chiefs will find a way to get enough points on the board, I would assume, mate. Yeah, this game comes down to who's the first team to get to 24. And I'm just trying to think about how many times the Steelers actually got to 24 this year, of which let's play a game. One, two, three, four... Five. Five. So they've they've hit it five times in 17 games. Kansas are going to put up at least 24, you'd have thought, even with this defense. You know, Patrick Mahomes, as much as as much as part of his play really baffles me, he's he's made some outrageous throws, not not in a positive sense, just outrageous decisions, outrageous throws, but he still puts on a clinic every night. He's still able to get it done, and therefore he could probably afford to make a few mistakes against this defense because this defense does cause mistakes, but they'll still get to about 24, 27, 31 points. Steelers are not going to be able to do that in kind, and the Kansas defense is starting to get its act together. So, you know, it is, um, it, it looks too much of a tall order. If they wanted a, th- this is obviously the biggest gap in potentially in the AFC it's possibly the biggest gap in potential in the playoffs entirely so I can't really see too much apart from a cheese win yeah you would certainly think so I mean obviously on the flip side you know like I said credit the Pittsburgh defense you know they've actually held opponents to less than 20 on 10 occasions so the defense will have to play lights out for to give the offense any sort of chance but obviously they're up against one of the most high-powered offences. Um, we'll see how it shakes out. We've gone very conservative there, mate. We're essentially saying the 2, 3 and 4 seed all come through at home, which would obviously then make it Tennessee hosting uh, the Bengals and uh, KC hosting Buffalo. Let's not get into all of the games week by week, but just from the AFC side, who have you got coming through the bracket to the end? Uh it's going to be the winner of KC Buffalo, um, maybe Buffalo. Fair dues. I'm going to go with KC to come through on uh, on that side. Let's look then at the NFC side. Let's start with the. Um, let's do them chronologically because that's what we've been doing. Um, so let me just get back so to Buccaneers Eagles. Yeah, that's the one on Sunday at six o'clock, isn't it? So that's the the sort of early evening Sunday one. Um, you know, probably a similar conversation to what we've just had about the the Chiefs and and Steelers. It's you know, it, it sounds obvious to say cause it's the two seed against the seven seed. I think in terms of the Eagles, though, they've obviously got a run game that you know if they can get it going, could potentially you know cause some issues. But obviously, Tampa Bay have got a really decent run defense. I mean, look, there's just 
I'm struggling to find any way that the Eagles do in this one. Look, they're, they're in. They'll have a swing at the end of the day. They Nobody expected the Eagles to get to this stage of the season, did they? So it's a bit of a free hit for them. But you'd expect Brady to take care of business, even with all the injuries that he's got at the wide receiver position. Here's the thing. The Buccaneers are one of these teams that they will slip on a massive banana skin at some point in the year. Could this be the massive banana skin? Like the Eagles, they've not played excellently, but by the same token, you know, they've not played badly either. If they put on a game plan and put it to perfection, it would have to be a very defensive-minded one. I'm unsure if they can pull it off, but they could do something because the Buccaneers have been prone to the odd terrible game. Washington, um, New Orleans... You know that there are there are bad banana skin games for them, and this could well be one of them. However, putting my rational thinking cap on rather than the fact that in the playoffs it always seems to in the playoffs, and also the Buccaneers are thirteen and four, and all the rest of it. You've got to think that the Buccaneers are going to run this run the table by fourteen, seventeen points, but. This is one of the ones where I wouldn't lock it up. Let's put it that way. I wouldn't lock it up. No, I think that's fair. I mean, look, they played early in the season. It was 28-22 to tamper on that occasion. I think the Eagles have improved since then. I mean, at the end of that game, the Eagles were 2-4 and four as the books moved to 5-1. and one. So, you know, there's certainly been an improvement from Philly. A lot of that is based around that run game. And on this particular day... Um, the Eagles were limited to 100 yards rushing and 44 of those came on Jalen Hurts scrambles. You know, some of those would have been designed runs, but Miles Sanders only carried the ball nine times. Um, you know, there's been much more commitment to the run game. So I think it's going to be a different game to what we saw 10 or 11 weeks ago. Certainly the Bucks are favourites. You'd expect them to, to win. And, you know, I joked with somebody earlier this week. They said, oh, who's, who's going to win it? Then I said, well, why don't we just give it Brady now and save ourselves all the next five weeks? Because essentially that seems seems to be what happens every postseason. So we shall wait and see whether he can indeed get the job done. Um, you know, obviously going to extend or trying to extend his record even further. For me, probably the game of the weekend is Cowboys 49ers. I say that because I think this is the one where the sixth seed are in with a very realistic chance of of causing an upset. As much as anything, it'll just be calmer for the amount of times that Tim's criticised Jimmy G that he'll go and uh, put it to him in uh, in Jerryland, won't it? But uh, the 49ers on the road, um, as they were last week, of course, on the road, and they got the job done. The Cowboys, like I say, I'm not reading a whole lot into that performance against the Eagles. Yes, it, it, it was a good you. win. It was a good win, but, you know, like you say, you would have expected them to have handled that based on the, the Eagles players that were out there. For me, mate, like I say, this, this is a really, really intriguing one. Um, for me, the game of the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it tells you a lot when the desert says that it's the handicap is three to Dallas. You know, that's essentially home field advantage. That's all they're really pinning it on. And it's absolutely deserved because the Cowboys have been hit and miss, really, towards the stretch. Um, I think that they've kind of put themselves back together a little bit. There was a that there was a bit of topsy-turvy um, happenings in the middle of the season, but then they sort of put themselves back. The, the fact that they could only get 21 points against the Giants recently and they lost to the Cardinals would raise eyebrows, I think. 
Um, the 49ers, as we've said, are coming in hot. There's, there's definitely that there is definitely something to be said for the 49ers to take this game. Um, Dallas, however, in Jerryland, Jerry World, whatever Disney style <laughs> steal you want to attach to Jerry's name, um, I think will count for a bit. You know, it's difficult to beat Dallas in Dallas, but it's also not Dallas like to go through flawlessly in the postseason. So it, I, I put this down to a coin flip because if Jimmy G has the same kind of game as he did in the second half against the Rams, I think the 49ers win this, personally. Dallas's defense is incredibly overrated. Um, the offense is what gets him out of trouble half the time. And even that is, you know, it has the opportunity to be sketchy. However, if San Francisco's offense isn't on it, I don't think their defense saves them. So coin flip, it depends as to which teams show up. Yeah, I think it's, like I say, for me, it's certainly on paper, at least the one that I'm looking forward to the most. I think it's a, a really, really intriguing matchup in that regard. Um, and like you say, you wouldn't really be surprised um, if it goes either way. The final one, again, we've seen several times, and we're going to see again the Rams hosting the Cardinals. This is the the rivalry in recent years that has been absolutely dominated by the Rams. They split the series this year, but if you go back to 2017, essentially the Rams have won every other game in this rivalry since that point. Um, you know, so it, it's certainly been dominated in recent years by the Rams. The, these are two teams, really, that are both coming into the playoffs. We talked about it when we reviewed the games earlier, almost limping in, aren't they? You know, neither of them seemingly wanted to win the division from the other. <laughs> They've ended up playing each other anyway. So you could argue, did it really make a great deal of difference? It'll obviously make a difference once we get into next week and Green Bay come into the fold. Um, you know, but certainly, you know, two teams trending in the wrong direction. Difficult to really get a handle on with the way, from from my perspective, this one goes, because I just don't know what kind of form both of these teams are in. I wouldn't be surprised to see either side winning it. The Rams are in terrible form currently, I think. Um, you know, they were lucky to get past a, a an injury-ravaged Ravens side last week. In the weekend just gone past, they obviously lost out in the end to San Francisco, despite being incredibly in control. I think that their offense has just been off kilter ever since the Robert Woods injury, as I've already said. So there is a lot to be said for the Rams to just have the wheels come off a bit. However, I've just seen that DeAndre Hopkins is out for that game on Monday, and also J.J. Watt is questionable. Now, if Watt is out, I do not see how this Cardinals team is disciplined enough to win this game. Um, It's been very clear to me that the Cardinals are based on their big players. They recruited heavy at the start of the offseason, and that's what got the buzz around. It turns out that the buzz was exactly for that. Their big players have definitely hauled them to that fantastic start, and especially Watt. Watt has been the guy in that team, um, because whenever Watt's not playing, you can tell with that Cardinals team, they are just several rungs worse. Hopkins' injury hasn't helped. Connor, when he's been out, hasn't, you know, and then Murray as well. This team's actually quite battered. So 
stupidly enough, this will probably be the tighter game um, of of the um, of the entire weekend. But it might be the worst in terms of quality, simply because of all all the different negative facets that are going on. These are two teams that probably could have done with just sitting out towards the end, but they are still one of the. They are both still good teams in this league. So, again, another coin flip. I definitely couldn't lock it one way or the other. Because of the injuries, I'm going to give it to the Rams by, let's say, a last-ditch field goal. That's probably as much as I'd do. Yeah, so you've got them coming through the Bucks, the Rams. Which way did you go, Dallas Sanfran? Um, I think, um, well, yeah, so I gave it Rams, but and 49ers just I think that that was very much a a coin flip I'm going to go 49ers way because of the fact that I'm going home and elsewhere that'll be my game that doesn't go that way so I'm in complete agreement with you my friend this is this is interesting we've both got the same bracket so far so that would lead us to San Francisco traveling to Green Bay and Tampa hosting the Rams. So, again, let's not go through all of those game by game, but who comes out of that bracket on the NFC side? Uh, so, I'm going to say Tampa beats the Rams. Green Bay beats the 49ers, even though that game was close as well. I think that in Lambeau was close. Rogers had to come back the other end. And then, they're both practically exactly the same teams that at that NFC championship game, that would be the exact, but then again, does the curse happen twice where green Bay just completely bottles it against? Yeah. I'm going to go for the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a bottler when it comes to the, uh, to the championship style games and he ends up crashing out. So yeah, Tampa goes through amazingly. So you've got a Tampa versus Buffalo Super Bowl. I'm going to go also, believe it or not, for Tampa. I just, <laughs> I just like to Have you gone I, in the exact same way as well? I've Tampa got it in the exa- Green exact Bay. Same, exact same way, yeah. Exact same way. So, yeah, the only difference we have, my friend, is that I think that KC will beat Buffalo. Apart from that, we've predicted everything exactly the same. So God, we're we'll, boring. We really are. We really are. Either that or we talk too much about one or the other. So um, we'll see how it plays out. And um, obviously there'll be um, playoff predictors and everything all available. I'm not sure if we're going to run any official competition, to be honest, this year. Um, you know, if we do, we'll announce it on the uh, the Twitter account and the website and everything. But um, like I say, there's plenty that you can get involved with those type of things. I've seen a few popping up on Twitter and Facebook and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, by all means, get your own brackets and see how close you get come the end. Let's talk then, mate. Black Monday, Black Sunday, Black Tuesday. It was a pretty, pretty grim weekend across the NFL. Obviously started on Sunday because of the Broncos playing Saturday. Vic Fangio was the first to go. I don't think that was too much of a surprise, considering the way that the season petered out. Actually ended up with a 19-30 and 30 record in three years. This this 17th game is really throwing these records. Yeah. Isn't it? A 19-30 and 30 record. So Vic Fangio is out. Um, probably for me, the biggest surprise was Brian Flores, out at, with a 9-8 and eight record in Miami. We've talked a lot about how he seemingly has turned things around there. Certainly turned them around during the year after a one and seven start to end up with a, a positive record. That was so, all to do with the schedule. I kind of get it. I, I do kind of get it because you expect the 
backroom staff to, well, the front office, should I say, it's almost so backwards. Um, you expect the front office to look past the record, you know, coming good in the end. You know, they were scraping past some poor teams, of which obviously there's no such thing as an easy game in the NFL, but the the GM has to at least put that up against... Um, Against that, in fact, I've just seen a fantastic tweet here, um, of which I oh know that actually goes completely against me. I thought that they were saying five and eleven against teams that were the worst in the NFL, but no, that's not it. So ignore that last thirty-second transgression. But yeah, I can I can see as to why apparently there was a huge um, thing about him and Tua. I don't think that Flores was a huge fan of Tua towards the end, and that to be honest with you, is a reason to keep Flores rather than bin him um, because he seems to be the only one there that sees sense. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know as to as to where Miami go from here. It just seems to add to the turmoil. Yeah, well, let's put it this way. I think about all these names that we're going to talk about, I would be gobsmacked if Brian Flores doesn't end up with a new job. Oh, yeah. Um, so he'll I'm... end up probably at Denver or may, maybe, well, the, uh, maybe the Giants, actually. Well, I think he's going to end up at Chicago. And Chicago have moved on from Matt Nagy. Again, not surprising. 34-31. I'm amazed he's ended with a positive record, but he hasn't actually finished above 500 since 2018. Um, so, obviously, that really good season skews things a little. So, Matt Nagy's out. Mike Zimmer's time has come to an end. Um, eight years he was actually at the Vikings. That seems to have flown by 72-56 and one record for him. Um, again, it just felt as though that had run its course. They've obviously missed the playoffs for the last um, couple of years. I have to admit, and... though, before, before you go on from that, I'm a little bit surprised by Zimmer there. I feel like the team wasn't playoff ready anyway. I feel like the GM should have fell on the sword rather than Zimmer. Well, GM's gone as well. GM oh, is the GM well. gone as well? That's all right. GM. Well, at least they're realising that uh, it's not all on Zimmer because I thought they actually did quite well considering what he had in front of him. I think yeah. that the whole Kirk Cousins thing has hamstrung this uh, this team for way too long. Um, and with that, it's very, very difficult to turn the Vikings into something fantastic. And the fact that they were so close to the playoffs in the end, despite their start, was probably something to be admired. Yeah, look, I mean, I think he's, he's he'll probably get another job. I don't think he'll get another head coaching role. I think he'll certainly be high on a number of teams' radars in terms of um, defensive coordinator positions, those type of things. We'll wait and see, obviously, what happens there. Um, the final coach to be removed um, was Joe Judge. We talked about it last week. Me and Steve were very much in the camp that there was no way on earth he should return. I know you were a little bit more supportive, mate, but it seems as though eventually that one has, has um, sort of been resolved um, because obviously it, uh, I believe, only happened yesterday after everything else. Was yeah, it was the one that happened after Black Monday. But uh, yeah, my only my only gripe there is that. I just don't see the next guy coming in turning that team into something special. You know, you're not going to get a massive uplift. That's my only thing. So I, I reckon that this was probably more of a media firing. Like, you know, you're in New York as well, and a New York team not performing is going to get you in the headlines constantly and all the rest of it. But as much as the Giants were poor and they were damn poor, I don't think it's on the coach, but that's just me. Um, the one thing that which this really does, Sean, is um, 
it kind of shows that the Bill Belichick school of coaching is uh, not to be desired whatsoever. I think that m- pretty much everyone on that tree of which has gone into head coaching has gone out in a blaze of fire. I think to be fair, if you just think about the world in general terms, Bill Belichick seems like the last of the real old school guys, doesn't he? He still yeah. seems like the kind of boss, if you like, that you know would um, would call you whatever he wanted, and you know if it was ever raised as a grievance, he'd bat it off with HR. Whereas in today's day and age, <laughs> you need to be a little bit more of a. Are you sure you're person. not confusing me with Urban Meyer? <laughs> well, if you add Urban Meyer to the list and you add John Gruden to the list, there's a there's an awful lot of opportunities potentially. Just some of the names that have been touted around for head coach interviews and the Bills coordinators getting some love in terms of Brian Dayball and Leslie Frazier. Um, so both offensive and defensive coordinators from the Bills. Um, Byron Leftwich, the Bucks offensive coordinator and Todd Bowles, um, the Bucks defensive coordinator. Again, probably no surprise with either of those. Dan Quinn is a name that seems to be getting a lot of traction. Obviously the former Falcons head coach, Cowboys defensive coordinator, um, he will potentially get another go around, it seems. There seems to be an awful lot of teams interested in Dan Quinn. He'll end up at the Giants, won't he? He'll, he'll probably end up getting the worst of the bunch. Yeah, Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator, has been requested for interviews. Brian Flores has been requested already for interviews, as we said, when we were going through the ones that had been fired. A couple of interesting names that have all of a sudden crept back in from nowhere. He's um, Doug Pedersen who obviously not too long ago was a Super Bowl winning head coach, obviously fired in a very strange fashion by the Eagles well after Black Monday, this time 12 months ago. It was, you know, I think it was almost into February by the time the Eagles pulled the trigger there. Um, So Doug Pedersen is a name to keep an eye on and also Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Yeah, again, he might do well if he doesn't have all the power that uh, he he had in... um, in Houston before he's firing. A couple of other names just to throw out there. Nathaniel Hackett, the Packers offensive coordinator. Kellen Moore, the Cowboys offensive coordinator. And finally, finally, Eric Bieniemy has been invited for a head coach interview. After seemingly running the best offense in the league for years, somebody has eventually reached out to Eric Bieniemy. So oh, The downfall we... of the Chiefs is upon us. Yeah. So we've got a lot of openings, mate. We've got the Broncos. We've got um, the... Um, the Jags, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Vikings, the Giants. I would still keep a little bit of a lookout on the Seahawks. But still nothing yeah, as no, of yet, time. but still time for that one. Um, David Cully in Houston has been talked about. I think that would be really unfair if David Cully was removed. I was going to say, that would be very unfair. Stranger things have happened. Matt Rule, it seems, is going to be safe in Carolina, but under immense pressure going into the start of next season. He will be on the hottest of hot seats by the sounds of things. Um, Out of all of the openings that are there, mate, what's your favourite opening or what's the best opening? What's the worst opening? Uh, Worst opening, I think, is the Giants. Um, I know that the Jags is obviously, you know, is the obvious one there, but they've got a quarterback that they'll probably not have to worry about for a fair few years. I don't think that Lawrence had the greatest of rookie seasons, even though his team was terrible. Um, But the Jags really were terrible this year. And Urban Meyer did no favours. You know, I think back to the Browns under Hugh Jackson, for example, that's the sort of thing which he was facing. But also if Hugh Jackson was a evil, evil supervillain on fire, you know, that's how bad Urban Meyer was. Um, So, 
as much as it it's a terrible it's a terrible starting point i don't think it's actually the worst position i think that's with the giants that actually have a lot of they do have a lot of names on the giants team they just don't seem to gel and the culture just seems to be a bit shocking um the best one i'd probably say the raiders um you know they are a couple of pieces away i reckon from being a constant a constant good team to keep around um a lot of people would say denver because they seem to be only a quarterback away but if they're only a quarterback away away i would have expected lower scores for example or you know you know the someone being able to elevate the quarterback position you know teddy bridgewater wasn't the worst qb in the world and drew lock did manage as a game manager for the last couple of games so i don't see it as you know there's a reason why fangio was fired it's not because of the fact that the gm couldn't get him a quarterback you know there had to be something else there so yeah i'd say raiders the best one to go into and the giants is the worst one to go into yeah i think on the broncos one i think the broncos is a sneakily I want to say sneakily bad. That, that, that That's probably the wrong terminology, but just as much as anything, the fact that they're in a division where you've got Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert for the next decade yeah, doesn't it's help. it's awful. Really doesn't help at all, does it? So, you know, that's a, a really tough um, tough gig in a tough division there. I think Chicago is a really good opening, um, to be honest. I think, you know, they've got Justin Fields to work with. Obviously, he will be really important in terms of how quickly that franchise can turn around. But I think, you know, they could move on pretty much without losing a whole heap of money from Nick Foles and Andy Dalton also being on the payroll. So I think, you know, there's a potential long-term success, uh, you know, long-term occupant of the quarterback position if Fields can have su- some success when he gets out there. Um, you know, the other sort of big cap eaters, if you like, in um, Chicago with the likes of Jimmy Graham, you know, he's not going to be brought back. He, he had a huge cap hit this year. Um, you know, and then obviously they've got the Khalil Mack contract, which is sort of again winding down towards the end of where that needs to to get to. I think you know they they probably will retain him for another year or two, but you know they they can then sort of start moving on from from that big contract. So I think the Bears is an intriguing opening. Um, you know that that's one that I think, like I say, I see Brian Flores as a really good candidate for in there as well. I think, you know, with that defence in particular, I think he can can really do some damage, you know, in a division that, you know, outside of the Packers, and we'll wait and see what does happen with Aaron Rodgers. I'm fully expecting him will return. But if he doesn't, then all of a sudden that division is wide open moving forward. So I think the Bears is a really intriguing one. Um, it's difficult to look anywhere other than the Giants as the worst opening. Um, you know, they've got terrible, terrible cap space issues. Um, so much so they couldn't even field a full roster for this weekend, which That's is just, right, yeah. just bonkers. I've never seen that. Never, ever seen it. And I'm a big advocate in the cap being completely overrated. When you can't actually even field a full strength uh, squad, it tells you you've got real problems, doesn't it? It's a good way um, of getting around it. Well, that's very true, very true. But yeah, the 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 light at the joints just real problems there. Um, there was that shocking tweet that went out this weekend, wasn't it? That the Giants spent a first-round pick on Kadarius Tony and gave $72 million to Kenny Golladay. They combined for zero touchdowns this year. Ooh. Absolutely shocking. Absolutely shocking. So, yeah, the Giants is, is a real, real um, difficult sell for anybody. Um, you know, really short to playmakers. 
Um, the Saquon Barkley pick was questionable at the time to take a running back that high. It's obviously, even if Saquon Barkley runs for 3,000 yards next year, it's still not going to be a good pick because there's going to be far too many holes elsewhere on that team for him to be able to, to mask all the holes that are there. Um, so, yeah, I don't like to pile on. But we're agreeing again, mate. I think I'm with you. The New York Giants is definitely the worst current opportunity that's out there. I think you look at the others. I think the Texans, like I say, we'll wait and see if Cuddy's moved on. I'd, I'd be quite enthused if I was a Texans fan. Davis Mills has played excellently this year. The Texans um, have done a lot better than people would have thought. There are absolutely. some good pieces to that Texans team. They yeah. just need... They, they're they probably about two or three years away from building a team that is going to be able to hang around in the hunt. But, yeah. you know, there, there is something to be infused by. No, no, I agree. So, like I say, you've got young quarterback in Houston, young quarterback, obviously, in Jacksonville. I think the Raiders, look, I've heard I've heard talk all year about Derek Carr being moved. They are not moving Derek, Derek Carr's Carr. not moving. And I they tell you what, if on. Browns fans are flipping talking about Derek Carr, I'd like to know what the flipping positive is. Oh, um, you know, he's, he's above average, but doesn't exactly make waves and would want way too much money. So no one's going to want him really, apart from if you have an incredibly desperate team out there that can't pick one up from the true free agents and, and uh, draft. It's a bad draft, which means that they probably could get something, but who are the Raiders going to replace him with? Exactly. I'm not, I'm not exactly. imagining Mariota season. No, no. Look, Marcus Mariota, I believe, I believe he attempted two passes this year and completed one. So yeah, the, Marcus Mariota is not the answer. You know, they've had him in the building all year and they know he's not the answer. Derek Carr is yeah. not going anywhere. So I think that, that makes that a good opening. The Dolphins, I think, have got a talented roster. You know, let's let's not forget. It's not very often you get to, you know, a, a head coach opening where the team has finished with a positive record. So yeah. there's obviously plenty of talent on that roster. Obviously, Tua needs to develop. The Vikings, I think, again, decent opportunity. And as much as, look, you know, he's, again, Probably Joe Average, but Kirk Cousins will, will be a placeholder for 12 months for somebody to come in and build some pieces on the rest of the team. And then they can look at addressing the quarterback position there on after once the Kirk Cousins contract disappears. Um, you know, so, yeah, I think we've covered them all there in terms of the hirings and firings. Like I say, there's been other movement in terms of GMs that have gone. There'll be obviously changes to individual um, head coaches, coaching staffs and all the rest of it. But as usual... It's a um, it's a pretty tough business this back end of the season, um, and like you say, we've gone through what six, seven teams there. You know, so again, pretty much a fifth of the league will be starting next year with a new setup, as is always the case. Um, we can't think though about next year. We've got six games this weekend to look forward to. This is now the business end of the season. This is when it really does matter. Obviously, every game is win or go home. So it's the best time of the year. Like I say, Saturday night, it all kicks off 9.30 with the Bengals and the Raiders. All of the games, of course, will be available on both Game Pass and Sky Sports NFL. So no need to ask, are any of these games blacked out? No, they are not. They are all available on either Game Pass or Sky Sports NFL. Or if you've got a dodgy stream, I'm sure you'll do yourself just fine on Saturday night. Not that well. we affiliate ourselves with them. No, Not terrible. Go Not buy your all. subscriptions. Indeed, indeed. 
Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. It feels like we've covered an awful lot of ground. It's been a hell of a season. It's been a long season. I know we're wait. I know we can't really wait for the next five weeks to go by as much as anything else, just to have a rest. But uh, like I say, we've got some really exciting games to look forward to now. I know some of the boys are doing some written write-ups as well, so they'll be posted ahead of kickoffs this weekend. So make sure you check all that good stuff out. Full10yards.com. Obviously, all the reaction to the college football uh, national championship game. I've said that completely wrongly, but you know the game that I'm on about Georgia in Alabama, um, which went down this weekend. Obviously, we're getting towards draft season. It just never ends, does it? So we'll have you covered, as always, with all um, things full10yards.com. Thanks ever so much for listening. We will catch you next week when the playoff field will be reduced by a few more teams and Green Bay and Tennessee enter the fray. But until then, thanks for listening, and we will catch you soon. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game.